0: You learn that smell real quick.
1: Yeah, and then you use your mask and you line it with Vicks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we always say that people that are just starting out, they always use the Vicks. And the real, you know, the real funeral directors, they never touch that. They don't ever have to use a mask or use any. Vicks. <laughs> In that situation, I'm telling you, I would maybe have to load up a little bit. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I like to just jump into the conversation, and that's kind of what we're going to do right now. Today we have on Dan. He's from Southwest England. Coincidental, I was just there for a month, so we can get into all the fun stuff that kind of I came across and he kind of sees every day. How's it going, Dan? Um, you know What's what's your day like in funeral service? What do you do?
1: What's my day like in funeral service? Um, we start off the day around eight to nine o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, go in, see if you have any new deceased in. Uh, see if any prep work does. <laughs> yeah. Um, if any prep work needs to do in, do prep work. Um, Tank coffins.
0: Yeah. So you're behind the scenes more so. You're also, not much in front of the families.
1: Only at funerals.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, you said prep. Are you meaning embalmings? Like, so you do embalmings and everything too?
1: No. So. You probably are aware we don't really do that over here.
0: Yeah, there's not as much. Yeah.
1: It's a shame because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to be an embalmer. Um, have you
0: ever seen it before? An embalming?
1: Yeah. Yeah. A couple oh. of times. Um, more than a couple of times. But
0: yeah.
1: Um, it's just so fascinating the way, the way it's done.
0: Yeah. It's, and, a, it's an operation for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the results after are amazing.
0: So, so in England, then uh, if, if, if I'm correct, I'm pretty sure they just try, they would like set the features if a family wanted to see someone and try to expedite things and do it quickly, as opposed to maybe here, we're trying to actually create kind of a, another last memory of their loved one, if that makes sense. So there's that little bit of a difference. Um, am I correct in in the way I'm go approaching things?
1: So I think, in The last couple of years it can take anywhere up to three to four weeks sometimes for a funeral to happen.
0: No kidding,
1: yeah, yeah, seriously. So still. Um, so usually the, the deceased will last up to a month,
0: they just won't look good,
1: yeah, yeah, with just normal preparation. So, suture in the mouth, um, eye caps, yeah, uh, some cosmetics, silkalan. I love silkalan. What's um, that, silkalan spray?
0: Oh, like silicone. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Just pronunciation issues. What does that do? I, I've never used that on a body. I don't
1: believe. Um, I've used k cream.
0: Yeah. So like massage cream, we would call it. Yeah.
1: It's spray, spray version, basically. Um,
0: oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to have to look at that because that seems like it would be a little bit more convenient because I would use kind of like a paintbrush sort of to like use the, the K-Long cream.
1: Yeah. So k cream, I find it goes on quite heavily. Yeah. Whereas a silkaline, if you just the the, the brand name silk line, I'll just say silicone for you, but um, uh, just spray it on, <laughs> just spray it on, wow, you spray it on before embalming, during embalming, and after embalming, just top ups.
0: Wow, okay, I'm gonna have to look at. I'm sure that's a thing. I've just it's not like commonplace, at least where I am. Um, so that's a cool thing that I'm gonna have to dig into, or otherwise I'm I'm gonna have to buy some from you and you could ship it to me.
1: <laughs> website i believe
0: um so okay you have these people in refrigeration then for potentially up to a month why is it taking so long and what are the results after because very rare circumstance here where you have someone just be in ref- refrigeration for a month we would say you know we highly encourage you to embalm because after a month that is going to be not pleasant even with refrigeration in my opinion
1: yeah so as you can probably understand, decomposition sets in oh, yeah. after a couple of weeks, really. It starts going. Yeah. So um, the main holdup really is registration of death. Um, I know you guys do it over there. Yeah. Whereas we have to, the family have to go to the local authority, the councils themselves, um, and they have to register the death themselves. What? Which is a massive I'm holdup. up.
0: absurd.
1: Yeah. Um, someone could die in hospital. You wouldn't be able to pick up that deceased until they registered the body
0: so you're waiting on families all the time that is just mind-blowing to me it's so different here
1: very different i mean i've always admired the way the u.s funeral yeah. industry works everything's so quick
0: and it makes uh, makes it easier for the family too so they don't have to deal with that stuff
1: exactly, exactly. whereas here it's everything is put on the family again
0: man that, yeah. you're already going through a tough time by in itself and then you're just going to have to do all this work on top of it that's what a funeral director is here is just we're trying to make their lives easier by doing those little tasks that they're unaware that need to get done and we do them for them so that's the big difference
1: exactly and it runs so much smoother over there um here we're literally waiting on on doctors um we need two doctors to sign off for a cremation yes yeah, yeah. so it's
0: usually a, a of death
1: yeah. Um, I think years ago, we had a Harold Shipman case. He was a GP who like, killed uh-huh. over 200 patients. Uh-huh. I think ever since then, they've had two doctors sign off for cremation. Um, so that would be the GP and then someone who's not involved again. So
0: That adds a whole extra element of time delay.
1: It is. It's all time delays and everything, you know, PMs. That can take up time delay. It's not often that they're in over a week yeah but as you're probably aware they they start to go quite quickly after a pm anyway
0: yeah man so- I, I just it, this is crazy to me i would just be like if we're waiting this long i need to preserve this but like it's going to go bad like i need to at least inject or do some cavity work or something so we can preserve this <laughs> are the families looking at these bodies then after weeks or no
1: it's all down to how they look at the time. So if if I've put some product on makeup, if I think they look okay, I'll just say to the director, you know, they look okay, but maybe change the lighting. Yeah. Um, if I would say they don't look okay, then it's probably not going to be viewable. No. But they'll have a closed coffin view, viewing. Visit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Visit. Interesting because, gosh, it's so different because – it's very rare that we would say someone is not viewable. It would be under extenuating circumstance that I'd be like, I'm sorry, we just, I really don't recommend it for your own kind of mental health. I would say <laughs> I would recommend no. But for you, it seems like that's kind of commonplace and that's just something that families have to accept. We're here, it's like, it's a big deal. If we have to say no, it's a big deal. Um,
1: yeah. So. The, I think the way you, you, it works over here, especially, is we have chapel visits. Uh-huh. So we don't do visitation like you guys do. Right. We have a a small a small room set off in the funeral home uh-huh. where the deceased will be taken in their coffin. If their coffin's not available, we'll just view them on a tray but make it look nice. Right. Um,
0: Like put a sheet and things like in a pillow and stuff like that. Yeah, a
1: yeah, pillow, blanket, or duvet. Um
0: yeah
1: just make them look presentable sure Whereas you guys have the visitation you have all the people there and it's it's completely different
0: yeah. so is there is there stuff at church like do they are they having church services like is that what people are doing like or is there just no services ever
1: so there are services there are we have unattended funerals or direct cremations yeah um and then we have cremation services so you'd have the The service at the crematory um and then we'll have church services with burials or church services with cremation after it's so isn't it so long-winded processes
0: yeah it seems like it and it seems like it's less at the funeral home besides maybe like an immediate family situation it's more everything's done kind of elsewhere yes Got it. Okay.
1: Unless the the funeral home have a service room, you're not going to have the service there.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Very interesting. Very different. I noticed in my time, um, I was in Manchester for almost a month and I noticed there weren't very many funeral homes or there weren't kind of facilities like for here in, this is throughout the US mostly, but in Chicago, there's definitely funeral homes that they're, they're large facilities. They have kind of like the chapel parlors where there's visitations and viewings. But I noticed in England, it's more, I would call them storefronts. Does that make sense? So it's a small, it would, it's like an office is more what I was kind of seeing as opposed to here where it's an actual kind of funeral home. Is it the same um, down by you in Southwest England or how is how is it different based from a bigger city to like a smaller area?
1: It all depends on on the company. For one, so I worked for a large company, a national company, corporation. Uh-huh. Um, they mostly have, well, as we would call them, shop fronts or storefronts, like you would. Right. Um, usually, the independents have a more home Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then that does exist in the corporations as well, where they've bought out. So it, it's also mixed matched
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. Tell me a little bit about those shop front. Could, you said you were with uh, a larger firm that like nationwide. Tell me about how that operation works at a, a storefront shop front facility.
1: So usually you would have everything in that storefront. Um, out of the back, there would be a mortuary. There'd be a chapel. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so they're it's not, not
0: that small. The, it's a decent size place. Yeah.
1: Although it looks small from the front, you have the back. Um, but some also do just have a shop front.
0: Right, and like an office?
1: Like an office with a chapel on the back. Um, in that case, there are what we call service hubs or, <laughs> yeah, hubs. So, hubs are a big mortuary essentially okay um sometimes on an industrial estate or a a big building away from the main building um this is going to start sounding a bit weird
0: yeah this is so different yeah
1: yeah so I think up just up from me um in Bristol they have a funeral home with a somewhat of a service center and that service center can take up to 140 deceased, I believe, Woo. Um, when it's full. Right. So they have capacity for that. Yeah. Um. But then those storefronts will have a chapel at the back where the deceased would be transported to for viewings. Okay. And then transported back to refrigeration.
0: Got it. So they have like a large facility that they run the kind of, Behind the scenes operations, and then they get shipped to the specific shopfront location. And these viewing rooms, how big are they? And is it pretty much just for immediate family to come in to say goodbye? Or what is the service look? Or is it, or is it these facilities more like they're pretty much all for cremations? how, how is how is that looking?
1: Yeah, so the chapel of rest, which would be the viewing room. Um, you you can probably fit. sorry (laughs) again depending on the size of the the space available you can have the coffin with the deceased in Mm -hmm. with up to about four family members comfortably any more than
0: tiny tiny little rooms
1: tiny well from my experience tiny rooms
0: yeah okay Um, yeah that that makes more sense to me i thought you were saying that in the back there was these viewing rooms, and then you could fit 50 people or something. So these are just like little, just kind of for immediate family to come on in. That, okay, I can wrap my head around that because I'm looking at these, you know, funeral homes um, that are in England. I was like, how are they even having a service here? It's impossible. These are literally an office building. So it's pretty much two rooms, a room like that's the office, maybe that you would meet with the family, they would pick out, you know the coffin or the urn or something, and then in the back is where, if the family's coming in to have a, a brief viewing, that's where it would be.
1: Yeah. Um, luckily, all the funeral homes I've worked in have their own little mortuaries. Oh, okay. Um, so that's a plus side.
0: Right. So then everything's still on site. Where the right. larger firms, it's they have these shop fronts, and then they kind of run the bodies around from that big kind of warehouse. <laughs> I mean, you know, it sounds bad, but that's what it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They can do that. Um, But also on on the other side, they do have all in ones. So it all depends on the area. It really does depend on the area and where you are.
0: I guess that's the same here in a lot of ways that, you know, cremation is way more prevalent in some parts of the, like the coastal areas. It's way higher rate than kind of the center of the country. Everything's on the rise for sure, but it is different based on where you go and based kind of on, you know, the heritage and religions of different places or their beliefs. Um, so it is it is interesting how, how different, especially England's not that big, but there's probably different ways that they go about things in different areas, I would think.
1: Yeah, I don't know how cremation works um, over in the States thoroughly, mm-hmm. but um, over here we would have a service at the crematorium. So you would go into the chapel, the mourners would be seated, the coffin would be on the catafalque at the front, um, and then the curtain would close or the curtain would stay open after the service, the mourners would leave, and then the coffin would go back into the crematory um, to be cremated.
0: So, but they wouldn't witness the, the body going into the, the retort, no? No, they wouldn't. Okay. I I mean, that, that's the same here, you wouldn't, um, a family requested they can see it. Uh, I think it's a tough thing to see um, having worked in a crematory before I'd be like, I would not want to see a family member of mine, like going into there, it would be tough, but some people want to see it. So it's like, obviously that's an option for them. So yeah. when you're doing the, those, these short services followed by a cremation, are these kind of planned out in advance? So let's say you, you might have to wait a couple weeks, a few weeks, are you planning it and saying, okay, you came in today we're going to have you come back in in two weeks and have your loved one in you know the container that's going to be cremated or the or the coffin before it goes to the burial site
1: um again that's different as well because you would come in and plan the funeral so you would choose the coffin there and then mm-hmm. usually you'd have a good supply of coffins on hand yeah and um, which is a, again is different to the states because you use caskets yeah.
0: um, we don't have that as much anymore <laughs> That was a thing, you know, 20 years ago, but we've gotten away from keeping inventory at funeral homes because it just takes up so much space. Yeah.
1: Um, And I guess they're bigger as well. True. But over here, um, so there would be a stock standard sizes. So four sizes, which would fit average sizes. Yep. Um, So A being the smallest, D being the biggest. It's the same style coffin. There are different variations of coffins. Uh Uh-huh. So depending on which coffin you choose, that's what you'd get. But you'd get a size matched to the deceased.
0: Got it. So, but there's not as many kind of options. Maybe you just have kind of a few options for their coffin. And then you just have a few different options for their coffin. And then they choose and then it's typically on site.
1: So you could have probably eight different options for coffins. Um, and then on top of that, you have your caskets. Um, but they're special orders.
0: Oh. So how often are you seeing a casket then? Because I, I know coffins are way more, you're never.
1: In my career, I've only seen two.
0: So why would someone get one then? If it, What's the purpose?
1: What is the, um, again, I think it stems from mainly TV uh-huh. and the influence that TV has on us because American films, you have caskets. Right. Someone might want the casket.
0: Wow. They, they get that influence from that.
1: Yeah, I think from the media, maybe more so from that, we do offer caskets in a brochure. Got it. Um, it's further back. Um, the coffins, they, they go in price order. So you've got your cheapest coffin and you've got your caskets right at the other end.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Because I figured it'd be way more expensive because there's not as much on hand. I'm assuming so they'd have to ship it in from somewhere further away.
1: Yeah. yeah. So caskets usually. Yeah. Again, like in five years, I've seen two. So.
0: Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um. So tell us. Tell us about kind of your background. How did you get into funeral service? Um. You've been doing it for you know uh, a handful of years now. What's how did you find yourself getting into funeral service in the first place?
1: So I started off my career um, working in healthcare. Okay. Back in when I was eighteen. Um, what were you I, doing? I started off as a care assistant, so like a CNA.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Kind of um, worked worked as a senior CNA in the hospital. Um, I lost my grandfather in twenty eighteen. Oh, I'm sorry. It started the whole. I want to go into the funeral industry.
0: Yeah, did you have like a very good experience, and you're like, this might be for me, or what kind of drew you to it?
1: Yeah, so I was a big fan of Six Feet Under. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love that film, um, that series. So it was always something I was interested in. I just never got myself into it until a position came up casually. Yeah. And after being around death within the healthcare industry, anyway
0: right you're already accustomed to seeing some challenging things and dealing with you know people and bodies and such
1: yeah so already doing all that and then i just thought maybe it's time to take the leap now so going casually yeah um see if i like it and i absolutely loved it
0: what were you doing at the beginning and what what kind of education did you have to get on top of what none none wow
1: (laughs) yeah it's so
0: weird. It's just not like that here. You have to have a license. You have to be a licensed practicing funeral director mortician to even go making transfers and removals, you know, working with the body. Like, it's, yeah, you have to have your, your license to do it.
1: Yeah. So, no, we don't, don't need any of that. Um, I, I think the most, well, the highest qualification you could probably get is a diploma in funeral directing or... Uh-huh um diploma in embalming but to start off in the industry you don't need any qualifications at all
0: so there's no type of um guidance or continuing education so anyone could do it just it doesn't matter who you are if you wanted to do it you can just hop right in
1: (laughs) there have been instances where we've had staff members who aren't suitable um they came in to try it, but it just it didn't work out for whatever reason, yeah,
0: um
1: which I think is a downside, so maybe having these qualifications beforehand would be better for us, but um, as it stands at the moment, you don't need any qualifications to go in entry level,
0: yeah,
1: um so entry level being removals, preparation, everything that your morticians would do. Um, bar embalming because you need a qualification for embalming.
0: Oh, okay. That's good. At least.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, and you don't need to be licensed or you don't need a diploma in funeral directing to be a funeral director.
0: So it's only for the embalming that you need something.
1: You need to be by law. You probably need to be a member of the British Institute of embalmers. Got it. Okay. I've gained that qualification in order to do, to do that.
0: Yeah, I would hope that they would have something for that at least. Like, if there's nothing else, they better have something for embalming because that's a whole different, you know, yeah. process. I, mean,
1: I just I I can remove pacemakers, I can do sutures. Yeah. But I would never trust myself with embalming at the moment because I don't I'm not trained.
0: Right, yeah. And so, it's something that takes, you know, takes a lot of time to to learn and get to. Who like so you said you've seen a couple embalmings in your career? Who are the individuals? Do you have someone on staff that knows how to do it or do you have to kind of bring someone in from the other side and say, hey, we need an embalmer. We're going to hire you from 30 minutes away because that you're the only one that knows how to do it.
1: Yeah. So we have in-house embalmers um, working for a company, working for wow. the company, yep. um, who are paid by the company. And then if you're an independent, you get a trade embalmer, which is pretty right. much the same as you guys would do. Yep. Um, but yeah, they're, they're the ones who would come in and do the embalming in the more we don't have prep, we don't personally have prep rooms. Um, it's all done in the mortuary with ventilation.
0: So w- tell me about that. So you don't have prep rooms. Where is all this, this work being done? Is it just in a little carpeted, uh, square room or what, what are we talking here?
1: Um, so the- I don't know how you guys would work. Um, so in our mortuary, you have a table, enough space for a table in the middle, an environment table in the middle, sure. um, but also all the refrigeration is in there as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could class the mortuary as the prep room itself.
0: Yeah, I yeah, think so that's I, what we would do.
1: Yeah, everything would be done in that room.
0: Got it. Yeah, uh, that's that's similar to here. Sometimes, like it depends on the facility whether the refrigeration is in that room or in another room. From my experience it's more times in like another room like right next door or close by or something um but you definitely see them in the in the prep room too so i think it's the same thing it's not like you're doing it you know in a random office yeah. type type thing. We have
1: a specific room for it
0: got it very yeah. interesting
1: well there is in the prep room isn't it
0: gotcha What is your day-to-day sort of like, what are you doing? It seems like you're kind of doing more removals and getting, you know, bodies ready. Um, How does that work there? Um, Especially on the removal side, I think you do things differently than us. So I'd like to know what kind of happens and what the process is.
1: Okay, so you have your first call. Yep. Um, Obviously they need to be verified first. by someone who's trained to verify death or a gp or a doctor right uh, or a nurse um after they're verified we can then go and collect so we take the private ambulance to the address um
0: now but i know i i think we just have different terminology what do you mean by ambulance and i and i i've talked to someone else that was a funeral director two other funeral directors from england i think we just have different words for similar things
1: um it's a full transit run. Essentially. Yeah. Um, We just call it private ambulance,
0: private ambulance. And doesn't it have I remember talking to someone when I was there saying, oh, you can tell that's like that's a mortuary by there's a, a certain distinguishing thing or it's a, a, a sign. Maybe it says mortuary or something on it like that.
1: It literally says private ambulance on it.
0: Private ambulance. That's it. Okay. I knew I knew that word sounded familiar. I was talking to someone that wasn't in funeral service and like, oh, like you're a funeral director, like that's a that's funeral service right there. Private ambulance, like that's they're going to pick up someone. I was like, Oh, didn't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Literally. And um, we'll take the ambulance there, and that's got two decks. Um, usually with two full size gurneys. Yep. Um a first call stretcher and a, um, a a foldable.
0: <laughs> I know exactly what that is. We, it's it's funny that you mentioned it. We tried, not tried, we sold um, those foldable. And we still have them for sale if anyone needs one. Um, but we're not pushing it as hard just because um, it's different here. Um, people don't use them, uh, but it's it's convenient. I will say bringing them on house calls uh, it's helpful because you have to go through tight turns and stuff and you it's hard to bring in this long stretcher. Like I've had many issues where I've gotten stains in my shirt, ripped my pants, you know, all that good stuff. It happens all the time. So what these you, you call what, what did you call them house stretchers or what, what was the name for it?
1: So I call it a first call stretcher
0: first call stretcher. So they fold in half if I'm right. And then you can extend them and then it's similar to like a normal gurney, but it, it wouldn't have the extending we- the wheels. It would just have two wheels on it and handles on the other. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right.
0: Yeah. We don't use them here and, and it, should, it should catch on because it makes it easier. I will say if you're dealing with like a larger person, I wouldn't use it. But if you're dealing with, you know, an older person, Man or woman that passed away, that's in hospice or nursing care, it's very advantageous. uh Tell me a little bit about that, then.
1: Yeah, so the stretcher itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would judge on the situation of the deceased, okay. which stretcher you use. Um, we also have another um a roll up stretcher, which I call it a cricket bag because okay. it, it looks like a cricket bag. Um,
0: like the sport.
1: Yeah, yeah. Big, big bag. Okay. Um, slats on the bottom. Roll it up. Yeah, to store and unroll to place the deceased in it.
0: And then um, you you would use that for kind of tough turns and stairs. Is that what that's used for? Why? I I think I've seen it before. Are they orange a lot of times? Is
1: they're more burgundy. Okay. Um, yeah, more burgundy. I'll try and find a picture and show you on here. But um
0: yeah. So, what situation would you use that for?
1: Yeah. So, if if you've got a small deceased and there's no room, um. So, say you've got a hoarder. Yeah. You you literally have minimal space, so you can't take the big stretcher in. You can't take a first call stretcher in. So the other option is the roll up stretcher.
0: Got it. And so, because um, it's kind of bendable like it's 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 a plastic but it's sort of a bendable plastic if i if i if i'm thinking of this correctly so yes. that way you can kind of get through tighter areas as needed yes got it okay so
1: it's more slim line than the stretcher you don't have any wheels you don't have any handles you just have the handles of the bag
0: got it so you definitely wouldn't want to use that for a heavier person either um so different than us uh we bring one stretcher that we use for everything. Um, and that's it. Like it would be nice, just like how actual paramedics have, they have different forms of, you know, stretchers that they would use based on a situation. Um, not a bad idea for us. It just makes our lives easier, especially maybe if you're like in removal service more so than anything. Uh, What, so for your normal, your, your big stretcher, as you call, do those so for us do those break down meaning like can you break them down to lift them up you know grab grab the handles and squeeze it and you can kind of maneuver it
1: yep so on the normal stretcher you can do all of that got it um, you can have the tilted wheels at the bottom um just to maneuver around <laughs> yeah so yeah the collapse when you're back on the van um and then the The first core stretcher. Don't know if you can do that there.
0: Yes, I know exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly what we have for sale. (laughs) It's just it's it's funny because the reason we started selling it in the first place was because I had never really seen anything like it. And I was like, wow, that would be super convenient to just keep in your funeral. Like we don't have ambulances, like they would be vans, removal vans. And just to have in there in case you have a situation where it would be nice to use it, um, but that's the same same exact product kind of that um, that we sort of were were pushing, but it hasn't really caught on yet. But you never know. Maybe after talking to you, it will.
1: <laughs> People should. Um, it's just so convenient, literally so convenient. You've got a small old old elderly lady. Yeah. Why use the big stretcher when you can just use the minimalist? approach.
0: Right. And it's probably much lighter, I would assume, than having a lug around the big stretcher. It's more I I would like to say it's more dignified because you can just come in and you could hold it like a suitcase almost, you know, and just walk in with that rather than having this big clunky thing that's bashing into the walls. I'm I'm kidding around yeah. halfway. But um yeah, that's that's very different than the way we go about things. Uh yeah. we have one stretcher.
1: Yeah. So I, I just it's probably my best friend in removals is the smaller stretcher oh okay um, i do like the bigger stretcher because it's just so com- when you're in a nursing home you're in hospital right use the stretcher you've right. got respect
0: you don't have to deal with the stairs and the tight turns and stuff
1: exactly and it's just a simple pullover yep and then then they're on but with Home removals mainly when you've got the stairs. It's just so much more convenient to have the fold-up stretcher.
0: Yeah, well, you're, you're making me want to like start using it more and more because I've only used it a couple times and it did make it easier. Um, also, we don't do as many removals as we used to because of our staff, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I gotta tell you, all the funeral homes we work with, they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time, it's working for My Funeral Home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. Uh, Okay, cool. So now we know a lot about how it works with that. Since we're down this road, tell us uh, a crazy situation that you found yourself in while making a removal or was there a challenging situation that you found yourself in um, that us funeral directors would be interested in?
1: Um, I think Probably my first coroner's call would be the most challenging situation I've ever been in. Um,
0: The first one, too. Ooh.
1: The first coroner's call. So we have normal removals, and then you have coroner's calls.
0: What's the difference?
1: So your first call, your normal removal would be an expected death. Got it. Um, Our coroner's calls over here are unexpected deaths.
0: And so you would bring them to the coroner's... Office then is that correct for an autopsy or how does that work?
1: So the way it works here is we have the national health system or national health service here, the NHS. Mm-hmm. Um we would take the deceased to the hospital mortuary. Or the PM is done there, or the autopsy is done there.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Um all right. In that instance, a just a normal first call or removal would be brought back to our premises and in our mortuary.
0: Uh, so what happens here is those people that died with um, an unexpected death, as you said, they would get transferred by the paramedics. It wouldn't be a funeral director. It would, no, be, like
1: Medicare. It would be the funeral directors.
0: Wow. Okay. So we're, mo- we're missing out on business. All these paramedics are taking our removals. <laughs> yeah,
1: you just take some, Inspo from us. Um, so
0: I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. Would you charge, like who gets charged then for if you had to do, uh, you know, one of those calls, um, the, a coroner call, who has to pay for that? And then I can ask a second question if if it's based on what your answer is.
1: Yeah. the The coroner's office or the government would pay the funeral directors to remove the body.
0: Man, we are missing out yeah <laughs> how much how much do they pay for those
1: i would probably say based on experience no more than 150 pounds
0: okay so uh, we're talking you know just under 200 hundred dollar us dollar um okay so it's it's not it's not expensive then so you're not making a lot of money really on those um so to speak especially no. for that work yeah okay <laughs> i was wondering if the family had to pay for that but it makes more sense that you know the government has to pay for that because why that's not the family yeah all that
1: yeah no um um my first coroner's call was yes a,
0: let's get back to your story
1: <laughs> um a woman who had been deceased for around two to three weeks oh in, god um <laughs> in her bed oh. like blue- green um yeah it took me and my colleague about a couple of hours of waiting because we had to call another funeral directors to give us a hand.
0: Was she a large woman or what, what was the situation?
1: Yeah, very large. So it took four of us all in all, um, and we struggled. Ooh. Um
0: Which stretcher <clears throat> did you use?
1: <laughs> we didn't use a stretcher in the house. So we left the stretcher outside um because we couldn't get it down
0: okay so what you, how'd you do this
1: we took a bariatric body bag in and okay four of us there we used sheets up on sheets um just to try and move her into this the body bag and Thanks. then we to, yeah all had to take a corner and just
0: <laughs> slide and pull right
1: yeah until we were outside and onto the stretcher
0: oh man Did you have any 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 uh, issues or any slips or any any leaking or what what happened?
1: (laughs) So that's what we were scared of because we didn't want her to rupture as she went to the floor, right? Because they were blister blistering everywhere on the skin.
0: Yeah,
1: it was it was on Halloween as well. Fundly enough, (laughs)
0: oh, a little horror.
1: Yeah, and I just thought this is just you know, do I really want to stay? But yeah, I did. Um. That is probably the toughest experience I've had.
0: Yeah. And that you learn that smell real quick, I'm sure. That you're like, this is something that I've never smelled before.
1: Yeah. And then you use your mask and you line it with Vicks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we uh we always say that, you know, students or apprentices, like people that are just starting out, they always use the VIX. And the real, you know, the real funeral directors, they never touch that. They don't ever have to use a mask or use any Vicks in that situation i'm telling you i would maybe have to load up a little bit that sounds disgusting
1: yeah it wasn't nice um when we got back to the the mortuary the hospital mortuary yeah the bag had split a little bit so it took a little bit of cleaning after that in the ambulance or the decks
0: oh gosh yeah that is not a fun first day on the job
1: no no that was that was awful
0: I feel Uh like I had a similar situation on my first day on the job um, (laughs) as an apprentice. Um, I I worked for my family, you know, you know, here and there beforehand, but my first like real real job was at a different funeral home and this poor deceased man had testicular cancer. And I still to this day have never seen anything like it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, how am I going to do this? Is this what happened? Like, I was just in shock. I I was like, I've never it 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 was great for bigger. I mean, I'm telling you, it it was and I was just like this poor man, like the amount of struggle that he had to go through for that. And I was in that some board, it's like, can I do this? And then sure enough, I was like, Yeah, I can do anything at this point. But (laughs) at the beginning, you don't know, you're like, does it get worse? Does it get crazier than this? I I don't know.
1: (laughs) All crazy in the funeral industry. It's it's just part of life
0: got to have a little bit of craziness to you to be to be doing this
1: yeah definitely
0: and that's why we all get along because we all know that there's something there's something going on if you're able to do this you're a special person <laughs> <laughs> uh well dan thanks so much for taking the time it was very cool getting to learn all these differences that we have uh you know i i'm i knew some of these but a lot of these i was like wow that that's a little bit more unique than i even thought so it was super cool to get to know that and um hopefully you continue to to do your thing and um you know we appreciate what you do out there in england and taking the time uh even with our time change i know how challenging it can be <laughs> to get to to coordinate that so we we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us
1: no you're welcome you're so welcome all
0: right that's the show <laughs>